Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is John and I'm the Outreach and Sports Pastor here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, or if I have and you've been hidden for a while, or maybe you're just coming back, we are thrilled that you are here today. And how cool does this room look right now? Man, after last week's youth takeover and seeing the design and set, what a great week our kids have had, our youth had last week. Just an awesome time. You know, if you're watching online, you may not be able to see the full spectrum of what's going on behind me. I was sitting over here, looking up on the stage, reading everything. I saw this wheel of fun over here. Look at all these numbers on there, 50,000, 400,000. I'm thinking, man, we must be giving away scholarships too. This is incredible, isn't it? I'm telling you, this is a great place to raise your kids, to have your kids involved and be connected. And I'm sure you're not going to want your grandkids, your neighbor's kids, or anybody to miss out on VBS and you can be a part of that sign-up volunteer. We're excited for it. We're excited to be here. I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time, if you don't mind, for the reading of God's Word out of reverence together. We're starting this new series, and we're going to be in the book of Acts today, chapter 3. Let's read together verses 1 through 10 as they come up on the screen. I'm going to use the NIV version today. It says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Have you shown up today excited and expecting to see something to learn something, to be filled with wonder and amazement. That's my question to start here for you today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, may you bless the reading of your word. God, I pray in this time that you will speak through me. Get me out of the way, God. May you have something for each person that is listening to this today, right now, online, later in the week. You have our attention, Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We're starting this new series called Rivers and Roads. Go ahead and look at the person next to you and say Rivers and Roads. This summer, I'm sure many of you are planning to make trips down a road, a road trip of some sorts, maybe heading to a body of water like an ocean, a lake, 
or down a river. And so this summer, we're going to ourselves as a church go through a series in the book of Acts called Rivers and Roads. And so if you're watching online, we are thrilled that you're joining us today. Wherever you may be, maybe you're on the road right now traveling for vacation or to a tournament. We're going to be in the book of Acts. And so that's where we start today. You're going to see a picture of a map come up behind me as we're going to be journeying through the apostles and Paul's missionary trips and the roads that he had to take and the rivers he had to cross. You know, as I started to think, I thought rivers and roads are oftentimes places of passage, aren't they? They're conduits of connection from one place to another. You have to trek across them. And at times it can be tedious and time consuming. And other times it can be even turbulent or tumultuous. Getting there is half the fun. Apparently when people get there, they don't have as much fun. I've never thought that was the case. We've all been stuck in a road trip where we feel a little anxious, we can't get out, a little confined, or we're never gonna get there. My kids reminded me of that as we took a quick trip this past week of why I will forever be indebted to Southwest Airlines, why we choose to fly. Because I'm sure many of you have sat in a car with a young child in the back seat who has backseat breaking news that he has to use the restroom and all the conversations that come into play rather quickly and the encouragement of a coach of hold on just wait we're getting there I'm finding an exit and then you start analyzing whose cup is going to be the lowest that could be filled up the most what potholes or bumps do I have to swerve what rumble strips do I need to avoid can I pass that semi and still make that exit that conversation played out in our road trip as I found myself on a road. Thankfully, my wife was there. I've got a picture. She handled the moment beautifully. <laughs> Take that down, please. <laughs> I just told her before I came up here, don't get mad at me, and I just ran up the stairs. <laughs> uh, we've all been on the road. Seems rather long, haven't we? I'm gonna take the long ride home today. <laughs> uh, I also found myself on a river. Found myself on a river. You see, this trip was planned by my in-laws as part of a Christmas gift. They uh, rented a cabin down in Tennessee, and so they wanted to go white rotter rafting. They'd never been. We were on the Pigeon River, a river that I've rafted before. It's about a 5.5 mile raft down the Pigeon River. And so we were there, and of course, to my fortune, the guide throws me on the front of the raft, which after about an hour, I learn is the splash zone. And while I'm making my way down rafting this river, we've hit a few different class four rapids. It goes up to five, so these were some good-sized rapids, and we're coming up to our last class four. And I would, would like to think that the guy recognized some leadership skills that I had because he put me on the front and the people that are on the front of the raft are told to look at each other and when instructed to paddle, to go and sink in unison and the rest of the boat will follow. So as I'm seated on the side of this raft, my co-leader is my mother-in-law. 
And now about an hour into this trip of paddling down, we're coming up to our last class four rapid. Our guide starts telling us what to do and a little more aggressively, he says, all right, paddle, paddle. So I start paddling and I look over and my mother-in-law is seated there and after about an hour, her paddle is uh, just nicely resting on her lap, dry. And if you've ever been in a boat, you know what happens when only one side is paddling and the other one isn't. Our raft quickly turns 90 degrees. We start heading into this rapid and we go down a rock and over the side of some water and sure enough, our raft wedges up against the rock. And now I'm leaning over the side and as almost you see a summer camp blob my mother-in-law comes flying, trampolining over on top of me. I'm sure she would describe a moment of self-preservation. She lands on top and quickly takes both hands and puts them into my life jacket and pushes herself up and subsequently me into the water. You're all laughing too. I get knocked over the side of this raft I hit my head on the rock, I'm wearing a helmet. I'm now fearful though in this moment that I'm pinned between this rock and this raft. And I feel myself being pulled underneath the raft that I grab both hands and I start pushing myself up. And as I come out of the water, I hear someone say, here, grab the paddle. And I look up and there is my wife, not following the instructions we were given on the bus ride there to reach out the handle but she reaches out her paddle. It's the best she could do, I'm sure. I reach out with my right hand, I grab it, it slips, and I recognize you had better grab this paddle. I reach up a second time, I grab it with both hands, and it's enough to get us pulled out away from the rapid, and as I'm still there submerged underwater, all of a sudden, our guide jumps from the back of the raft to the front. And now I know what some of you are thinking. John, we've heard your kayaking story and Pastor Dale calls it the don't be a Dalton story. Dalton's stranding us in Puerto Rico. But I wanna tell you today, I was saved by a wolf. Literally, our 22 year old guy goes by the name Wolf. He ran up to the front of the raft, grabbed both straps of my life jacket and with one humanly impressive heave, he pulls my body up into the raft. I've got a picture of Wolf, I think, here. He'll look like an angel. <laughs> Wolf was on his first week on the job, probably set a record for the amount of pounds he had to raise into that raft. And I was reminded that small flotation vessels are not my thing. But have you been on a river? Have you been on a road that you yourself would say, is not where you wanna be. It may be a little uncomfortable. You may be going through something that you feel like I'm not able to get to the point that I wanna go. And along the way, you feel like you can't escape it. You've looked around for help. You've begged for someone to notice you. And I can tell you myself, there's been times even this past week I've felt like I've needed saved. Well, I wanna ask you to join me in Acts chapter three, if you will. We're gonna look at this passage and I think it's gonna teach us from both the perspective of this man begging 
and the two apostles that show up, that there's something that God has for each of us to learn today. Acts chapter three, verses one and two, I'm gonna read them again. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. It says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where they put him every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Peter and John, fresh off their Pentecost experience, are now going through their regular daily routine of making their way down the road and into the temple. It says that they came upon a man that was lame from birth, and he was being carried. You know, Acts chapter four, verse 22 will tell us that this man was over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, this man had been carried and placed. This man had lived his life completely at the support and care of those who could help him. He couldn't help himself. He was only able to do what others were able to do for him. And every day he was transported and sat down at the same place with the same problem, asking for the same thing. As we read the time when Peter and John show up, he was there at the same time, begging from the same people. How many of you can relate to that kind of a cycle? You've journeyed back and forth day after day to the same job, the same activities, the same people, trying to get ahead, but you notice that really nothing changes. You find yourself in this holding pattern. For some of you, you keep going, but you can't advance in your career. For others of you, you keep moving and find yourself getting older and older, but yet you can't move out of your childhood home. There's others of you here, I'm sure, that you're trying to go on and from one day to the next you're making it, but you still can't get past that relationship and you can't get over it. You can't change and move on. You find yourself surrounded by the same people that you're dependent on to help you out. I find it interesting, it says this man was seated at the gate called Beautiful, but yet he's pretty broken. The gate was called beautiful because it was adorned with silver and gold. It was quite a spectacle. You could see it from a long distance away as you made your way up to it. And here's a man underneath this huge gate decorated with all this gold and silver. And yet he's at the bottom begging for little pieces of gold and silver, isn't he? You know, as I was preparing for this message, and praying, God said to me, he says, you know, some of us, some of the people you're talking to are stuck on the side of the road and they're not able to get to the point of healing because they can't stop begging for what they don't need. They're all stuck. And it's just the, a tactic of the enemy, isn't it? That he allows us to place ourselves in a place where we feel helpless and hopeless. And when that happens, when we're at that point where we feel like we can't help ourselves, he conveniently starts putting the things around us that we think we need. He starts filling your newsfeed, your Instagram photos with things that you think you need. 
He starts showing you the success stories and the highlights of people's lives, of things that you desire for yourself. And while they feel so close in that moment, it's so unattainable on your own. Here's a man at the position of this gate begging for help and people showing up to go give offerings. And he would maybe get a little handout here or there to get him through the day. But he knew he was gonna be there the next day and the day after that. The change that he needed was beyond his control. I've titled the message today, The Change That We Need. It's interestingly enough that this man is begging for just a little change, but he never could make his way in to the temple and find the life change that he really needed. Verse three, it says, when Peter and John saw, or I'm sorry, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, thinking that's what he needed. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man turned his attention, expecting to get something from them. Isn't that oftentimes our expectation when we're stuck on the side of a road begging? We're looking for somebody to notice us, somebody to see us hurting, to see us suffering, to see us in a place we can't help ourselves. But I wanna tell you something today, if that's you, if you can relate to that, how many times does Jesus show up in the midst of passing by on a road? Scripture is full of stories of the hope of Jesus showing up when people didn't expect him to show up. Jesus changing their lives when he didn't expect life change to happen themselves. Jesus had a plan. It's Jesus walking by Zacchaeus that changed his life. It's Jesus walking with men down the road to Emmaus that changes their life. It's the healing that happens just walking through a crowd on the road, out Jesus' road that changes the woman's life, even on the water, as they're making their way from one side to the other and Jesus calms the storms. Let me tell you something today, if that's you, if you're somebody seated and begging on the side, if you can relate to that, I wanna tell you something, Jesus can reach you today. He knows where you're at. He can calm your storm. He can change your life. Now I wanna turn our focus and attention to Peter and John. Read verse six with me, it says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You see, Peter understood here something that I think a lot of you in this room who are Christ followers, a lot of you listening online who claim the title of Christian and aspire to do the best, to be the best, to make the difference in your world and the world around you. We see maturity in Peter here and growth in his life and the start and initiation of his ministry. And what was his first public moment without Christ? His first moment to speak out, to be the head of the church, to be the face. He can give us some lessons here on how to minister and to interact with those that we come across are begging for their life to change. Peter says, look at me. Look at me. 
I don't have what you're asking for, but what I have, you need. I want to pause right there. I think as believers and as even Christians who are people who look to help and make a difference, how many times do we have a friend or a loved one come to us and say, here's my circumstances, here's my situations, here's where I'm struggling, here's what I'm going through, and they share with you, and you feel good that they're sharing with you because it's proof of the relationship that you have and the trust that they have in you. And in that moment of conversation, oftentimes we want to help. We want to see a change. And so what do we do right away? We listen. And then we start to find ways to connect it to our story, don't we? Well, this is what I went through, and this is what my experience was. And here's how I got through it. Or we hear of, hey, I know of somebody that went through something like this. And when they went through this, it was really hard. It was challenging. But they made it through. Or they did this, and you don't want to do that. Make sure you stay away from that. Maybe try this instead. As Christians, when we get this interaction with people, we have compassion. But oftentimes, we try to be the solution. Don't we? We try to be the one to give an answer. We try to solve all of their problems for them. We show a little compassion. We give a little bit of our own two cents. And we say, we'll pray for you. And too many times, if we're honest, I think we throw that two cents out there and keep walking by. Peter doesn't do that here. He says, look at me. What you're asking for is not what you really need. What you're asking for, if I give to you, is not going to change your circumstance and situation. If I give you this, you're going to stay here and you're going to keep begging. Just like the people you would call friends that have carried you day after day for 40 years and left you at this place over and over. If I throw you a few coins, nothing's going to change in your life. But listen, this is what's going to change your life. I've experienced it. I wanna ask you how many times, instead of giving your two cents, your own self-help as Christians, do you go into that moment of helping somebody out and lead with the answer of being Jesus Christ? How many times do you offer up the hope in Jesus Christ that can change their eternity, that can change their circumstances, that can change their marriages, Jesus that can change their diagnosis, Jesus is the one that can change their despair and distraught state and can lift them up and help them walk and move beyond where they're at. Friends, how many times do you lead with Jesus? That's exactly what Peter does here. With great expectation, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Peter recognized it wasn't his name, it wasn't his story, it wasn't his past that was gonna change this man's life. I mean, it was the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of him that emboldened him in that moment to see the potential change that Jesus could bring to this man. It's the name of Jesus. After this miracle happens and the man gets up, Peter and John are arrested and the end of chapter three and chapter four is Peter's message to the Jewish leaders that arrest him. And the question they ask him in that moment is, by what name? By what name do you have the authority to change this man's life? 
Leaders without compassion or care for this man begging, they wanna know what power, what ability do you have, by what name? And so Jesus, Jesus is the answer to that. You see in Acts chapter four, verse 12, Peter responds, he says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which you must be saved. And sure, there are people here today in our world around us that need a helping hand, that need a handout. They need a savior. Recognize them. But recognize their need for Jesus. Turn their attention to him. Turn their attention. And just because they're in that position doesn't mean that they're not saved or maybe they are a Christian, but they're struggling. Make sure you address the state of their spiritual life as well. Give them encouragement. Give them hope. Give them Jesus. Maybe some of you today, you need to hear that. You need that for yourself. That's the change you need to focus in on before you can change your economic status, before you can change the amount of money in your bank account, before you can change your address, before you can change the future and the career and the position you have worked so hard for, before you can change your relationship and better it for the future, you need to focus in on your relationship and the calling of Christ in your life first and foremost. And that's what Peter and John call them to. And I love what it says. He reached out his right hand. The author of Acts you're gonna find is full of great descriptions and it's Luke, the doctor. And he's very specific here and he says he reaches out his right hand. Why does he reach out his right hand? Because Jesus is no longer in this moment. It's Peter and John in this moment. And they've received the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm going away from you. But when I go, I'll prepare a place for you so that you may be where I am. So where did Jesus go when he went away from them? There's over 100 verses in the Bible that says Jesus is where? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. When Jesus left here in the start of Acts, he went and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Matthew chapter 28, the book of Matthew we just studied as a church. Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Where is Jesus? He's seated in a place of authority at the right hand of God. God has given him all authority and power. And in the same moment, here's Peter and John, because they have received the Holy Spirit, they've been given what? All authority. And in that moment, he reaches out his right hand. Why does he reach out his right hand? He reaches out because that's the hand of authority. It's the hand of authority. It's a place of position. Do you catch that this morning? The handout that Peter gives is an open hand. It's a hand that came with authority. It's a hand that came with understanding and expectation, with boldness, that as I reach my hand out to you to help you up, the God who has entrusted me with this Holy Spirit is through his name, through his power, through his authority, your life is gonna change. Reach out and grab on. A whole lot better than a paddle sticking out in the water. A whole lot better than anything else that could be extended your way. As we, as believers of Christ, to extend with expectation and authority, believing that when you share Jesus, when you offer Christ, you do it with the expectation of Peter and John that if they grab on, 
if they hold on. They're not holding on to you and you're not gonna save them. You're not just saving them like a wolf out of water. You're saving them with the love and hope of Jesus Christ who's already paid the price for them. With your right hand, the hand of authority, extend it forward. And I love what happens after this miracle and after they're released from their questioning. Peter and John, it says in the end of chapter four, they go back and they share with all the believers that gather around, here's what happened. They start to share the story of what their experience was and what went on for them. And I'm gonna invite you to stand and read this last little bit in closing with me in Acts chapter four, verses 29 through 31. Peter and John have gone through this moment. It would have been such a high, it would have been such an excitable time for them because Christ has shown himself faithful. The words that he had told them about their future have come true. And the place and position and opportunity and the life change for this man had all happened and they gathered with the believers and they started celebrating. Man, it felt like a moment like we had just a couple weeks ago where we gathered to, around and we saw babies up here being dedicated. That night we gathered together, we saw life change. And my goodness, the number of children that were here. Wasn't that awesome to see that many kids taking steps in their faith to be baptized? And we celebrate that together and can we just pray with the anticipation and expectation that the VBS that we're sitting under right now would have the same moment of life change that the miracles that need to happen through the work and through the only name that will make a difference, and that's Jesus Christ, will extend to our community, to these young kids, to their parents, to their volunteers. I think that's something we can celebrate and rally around as a church. And read this passage with me. Peter and John got together with the believers. It says, now, Lord, considering their threats, Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It wasn't just Peter and John who were filled with the Holy Spirit because they performed the miracle out of their hand. It wasn't just the bystanders that were filled with the Holy Spirit, but when they heard the testimony of what God had done, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanna pray this over you today, my friends, my church family. I wanna pray this same prayer, that with the same boldness, with the same expectation, you will go forth and Reach out, speak the name of Jesus, and may lives be greatly changed. May you have an expectation that Jesus and an understanding that he is the only answer. May you say to others, look at me. And when they look at you, they'll see something different. They won't see your failures, they'll see your father. When they look at you, they won't see a person with the past, but they'll see someone whose life has been reclaimed for the future. May that be somebody that they see. May they see Christ in you. Will you bow your heads with me? 
Heavenly Father, this morning, God, I pray as we start into this series, Rivers and Roads, and we see the ways that you move through the life of the apostles who were sold out for you, who were committed to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray in that moment, God, when we interact with people and along the path of our life, when we come across somebody who is begging for something more, and they may not say it as bluntly that they need help or they need a life change, but Lord, give us the ears and the eyes of the apostles to see and to hear the needs of those around us. But Lord, I pray that you will give us the words, that you will speak through us, that your Holy Spirit will shine Guide and direct us in those moments, God. May we not walk on by and just throw out our two cents. Lord, in those moments, we're gonna pray for some miracles. We're gonna pray for the miracle of their eternal destination being changed. Lord, we're gonna pray for the miracles that happened because the miracles you performed on this earth were an opportunity to get the attention of others and offer them a change in their eternal destination. Offer them a relationship with you. With that same boldness, God, may we do the same. And for the person who is on the same path, begging day after day, may today be the day that life change reaches them. That they see the hand being reached out to help them up help them walk and move beyond their current circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.